Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Southern Sports Central, your source for all things sports, with your host, Richie Altman. Richie Altman. And Eugene Benton taking your call at 323-784-9681. Now, let's join Richie in the studio. Saturday morning to you, everybody. I'm Rich Yaldman. Glad to be back on the radio right here on Southern Sports Central. It's been a while, and we're back, and it looks like we're going to stay a while this time around. We've, uh, by popular demand and request, they've said it, they've asked for us, and, well, we're here. We're back, and uh, we're going to keep this train moving all the way through June, through July, and then August hits us, and here comes some high school and college football. We'll get that covered up. We'll go all the way through to the end of the year. All right, so we're excited to be back here. Uh, we took some time away to try to figure out some things. But, man, oh, man, the east coast of South Carolina not getting the love that I feel. These young athletes, this side of I-95, deserve. And that means all the way from the Little River, North Myrtle Beach, all the way down to, of course, Buford and Hilton Head and all those towns in between. We're going to get you guys covered up. We're going to get you guys recognized. We'll talk about you guys as well as the rest of the great state of South Carolina, the Palmetto State who puts out ballers, whether it's on the baseball field, the football field, the basketball court, track and field, you name it. We're going to do our best to get you caught up and covered up uh, here on this show. If you haven't listened to us before, we welcome you. We ask you to follow us on Facebook. That's at Southern Sports Central. On Twitter, at SO Sports Central. Of course, you can follow me in direct, right, well, directly at Richie Altman, and that's on Twitter as well. Eugene may or may not join us today. He's been a busy man running around the great country of, uh, of the United States from college to college, doing his things with his guys. He's a kicking coach over at James Island, but he also does a lot of kicking coaching on the side. But without further ado, let me bring in a good friend of ours and a friend of the family on Southern Sports Central. That is Coach Smitty. Coach Smitty, welcome to the first show back as we are back here in 2020, uh, was it 2023? Thanks for having me, guys. We appreciate Southern Sports Central, especially given the lower state uh, kind of coastal areas, some uh, love here in the state. So we appreciate that. Yeah, no doubt, man. Got a lot to cover, a lot to get up and run in here. If you want to call in today, it's going to be kind of a caller-friendly show. We are going to cover a ton of topics. We'll stay with the high school guys in hour number one. Hour number two will go up a level. We'll hit the college football conversation. Uh, a lot to get into there as well. We'll also talk college baseball in hour number two as well. Uh, and uh, we may have a couple of guests join us in that hour. Uh, hour one, we do know Kevin Villadu is going to be joining us here around 11:15. He'll get us caught up because a lot of coaching changes, Coach Smitty, in the low country, man. I mean, you look at, uh, well, the most recent one was Fort Dorchester. I mean, uh, Coach LaPrade was there, then he's not, then he's there. Now he's not. Now uh, they have a new guy in charge over there. And I tell you, I know him personally, got a chance to work with that staff a few years ago during COVID. And I tell you what, I think they have the right guy. Uh, he's one of the guys who I can tell you will love on those kids 
and uh, understands the kids over there at the fort uh, better than anybody uh, other than Coach LaPrade. Now, that being said, you've got, of course, Hanahan's got a new head ball coach over there. You've got Berkeley. That's a big-time job hired over there. Actually, Ridge has a new head football coach. But, you know, Coach Smitty, you've been around this game a long time. Of course, uh, you were an athletic director. Now you're at this other school that's combined with a couple of schools in your area. Now you're the head coach over King Street. What is it about the transition of all these coaches? I mean, is it just that time of year where you you start to see the the young guys in and the older guys out? No, Well, we're kind of in a huge transition educationally in our state where, unfortunately, a lot of guys have called it quits. Um, You know, I I was looking at a Friday Night Football magazine from 2016, and we were going over all the head coaches in the lower state and upper state, for that matter, and there's very few of us still left that are still coaching where we were coaching uh, from 2016. So we're talking uh, five years ago. Uh, and I believe in the Charleston area, the only two who are still around, if I'm not mistaken, that were there in 2016 are Sean Wright at Cross and uh, Marion Brown down at um, Baptist Hill. Those are the only two who have not um, changed places since that time frame. So we've had huge turnover the past two years, especially. Of course, COVID took a toll on people, uh, of course, this new era of kind of parenting slash recruiting slash whatever you want to call it, charter school era has taken a toll on people. So uh, there's a lot of factors involved in that, but it's definitely um, a lot of new blood coming in, a lot of new faces coming in. So uh, we'll kind of see how that goes. But a lot of the older legends have uh, really moved on. Yeah, no doubt. How about Coach Ford over at Woodland? He's been around a little while, too, hasn't he, Coach Smith? I mean, he's another guy that I think kind of gets – I don't want to say he gets lost because he's kind of up there on I-95, tucked away in St. George. But I got to tell you, you you know, you look at some of the smaller schools uh, and and you look at the success of these guys sending their kids to the next level. I mean, Coach Ford, one of the best, one of the best. I mean, and I brag about Woodland a lot because I feel like Coach Cyber, the athletic director, does it the right way. And, and I know there's a lot of heat heading that way back and forth a few months ago. I don't care. Understand this. I know he loves the kids. And, and that's the thing. It seems like when you're doing it the right way, yeah. you get the most noise from those in the back of the room. Is that right? That's right. You know, like you said, this, I would think Coach Ford would be the third longest tenured in that group. Um, and then, you know, of course, if you want to go further south outside of Charleston, Coach Jerry Hatcher at Whale Branch has been there a while. Um, but Woodland, again, is a hidden gem for sure. He, Coach Ford does a fantastic job always putting uh, guys off to where they place in college and, and always, again, there for the kids. So I uh, can't say enough great things about that program. Yeah, no doubt. We are today, by the way. Here, here's how today's going to go, right? Uh, Kevin Billadu is going to join us around 11.15. He's going to talk about all these coaching changes. Really excited about a lot of things happening around the low country. Uh, really excited about Coach Tate. Man, I like Coach Tate. Love Coach Tate. I got a chance to meet him and his wife when they beat Myrtle Beach uh, when he was at Wren, where he played ball at Wren, then won a state championship as a coach at Wren. And one of the last championship weekends we had in williams Bryce Stadium, they beat Myrtle Beach. Luke Doty was on the team at Myrtle Beach. You know, now he's at South Carolina. Uh, but there was a, the backup young man, uh, Ryan, 
who uh, is now the at App State. Ryan, of course, uh, Berger is uh, now the quarterback at App State, one of the guys up there. But Coach Tate takes that championship, decides he's going to step away, and his wife said, you know what, let's move to the beach. You can still co- coach if you want to. So, of course, he took that job at Ashley Ridge. Shane Fiddler heads up to Airport, where he's now the athletic director and the head football coach. And, man, the facilities these guys have at Airport, I can't blame them. DD2, we got to figure that right. part out. Uh, and, and so does Charleston County and Berkeley County, because I can't imagine who wouldn't want to go up there. And, again, a lot of it, and, again, we'll get into it today, is these coaches just want to coach. They don't want to teach. They want to kind of do what they need to do. It's a full-time job to be a coach and mentor these young men because they are facing more adversity than ever with Twitter and social media and the hype and, and these, okay, I'm going to say it. I don't like it, but it's a street agent. <laughs> you know, you got to worry about the boogeyman who's the street agent out here in the world who's telling these kids they're great, they're going to go here, here, and here, and here instead of being honest with them and telling them, look, get in where you fit in. Let's get a few offers first, and then we'll move forward. But we're going to get into recruiting. We're going to get into scheduling. We're going to talk about high school coaches around the state and possibly around, of course, definitely here in the low country. That's our one. High school 101 is what we're going to do. They're going to take the bus over to college campuses where the University of South Carolina, Clemson Tigers, we'll talk Coastal, we'll talk some of the other schools here in the state, along with the SEC, the ACC, because there is a lot happening around football. You see Oklahoma, Texas now officially have schedules where they're in the SEC coming in 2024. Uh, the ACC has got teams, man, they're exiting stage left. Florida State says, I don't care where I go. I'm just not staying here. That's kind of their mindset. So Clemson, you know, they're in that conversation as well. you got North Carolina, a blue blood of the ACC, says they want to leave too. I mean, there's so many things that we'll uncover in hour number two that you want to be a part of. College baseball is happening. Big win last night. Talk about ACC and SEC. Florida, the Gators, hang in there for the inning and take down that number one toughest team, possibly one of the toughest teams in the country, Virginia, to send them to the loser's bracket. Now they'll face Oral Roberts tomorrow night. And then, of course, on the other end of that spectrum, you've got a big win with Tennessee and LSU tonight. So I want to try to stay on point here today. Just want to give you an idea. And, again, if you want to follow us on social media, it's Southern Sports Central on Facebook. On Twitter, it's easy. It's SO Sports Central. But if you want to call in today, talk a little football, talk a little basketball, baseball, whatever's on your mind. You want to talk recruiting? Want to get some advice? We got a guy on the line right now, Coach Smitty. He's got a guy. Oh, by the way, Mr. Rush, congratulations. He's in the NFL. He played for this coach who played at South Carolina, this young player, Mr. Rush, did. So I think, Coach Smitty, you got a little bit of idea what it takes to get to that, not just next level, but to the level after that level, Coach. Yep, that's right. So um, we're always trying our best to, again, make sure our guys fit in where they can get in. And, uh, you know, especially in today's recruiting world, it's a whole different world than what a lot of us grew up with and were accustomed to. So uh, you got to stay on top of things and you got to make sure you're guiding these players in the right direction where they fit at a certain school and you need to make sure that the schools that you're targeting are on base of what their talent level is and on base of what you're getting feedback from um, other schools as well. Other things that are happening, I did see yesterday, Coach Smitty, I did see yesterday that the Shrine Bowl, which in the pecking order, the Shrine Bowl is the granddaddy bowl in South Carolina, right? That's the best of the best seniors after that it goes north south game they get their selection 
And then we have a greatly, a, a very impressive amount of bowls under that. Of course, the Blitz does a game. I think there's a few other games. Uh, one in the PD. There's one on the border of North Carolina, South Carolina. There's one down in Georgia and South Carolina. And I applaud anybody who wants to give a senior an opportunity to play at least one more time, as long as we're doing it the right way. I'm all aboard. Southern Sports Central will promote you, will educate you, will help you any way we can. And so far, again, I, I love what I see. Now, was it yesterday? I think around 11, between, what was it, like 1 o'clock, Coach Smitty, they released the, the guys that they are going to uh, invite to the combine. This is not the final list. Nope, this is a right. invitation-only combine for the guys in certain positions to come and try out for the opportunity to represent the Palmetto State uh, against that team above the north, which is North Carolina, and that big, uh, I think it's uh, the 87th annual Shrine Bowl coming up. Yeah, and it just goes to show you how talented the state of South Carolina is in football. This list is a who's who of guys across the state that are all – everybody on the list is extremely talented. I've, I've seen most of them in person at one camp or another or um, coaching against one or another. Extremely talented list. This, this year there's going to be a lot of guys who, who get left off the Shrine Bowl team that – and another state might have been a Shrine Bowl player, but here in the state of South Carolina, it's going to be really tough to make that. I believe it's the final 44 is what they get down to. And, um, you know, so as a coach, as a parent, as a player, you can't get too upset if you uh, don't make the team. You just got to keep plugging. Like you said, there's still the North-South game after that, which is a fantastic uh, game uh, in Myrtle Beach every year, the Touchstone Energy Bowl, which is awesome. Uh, then you have your high school blitz game, another uh, great game that's been put on the last couple of years. So there's other opportunities out there in the Border Bowl, like you mentioned. So don't get discouraged if you don't make it. It just means that, you know, there's a couple of other guys that might be ahead of you right now at this point in time. It just means you might need to just work a little bit harder. But there's – so much talent in this state, and it's very hard for those Shrine Bowl coaches to pick uh, the top 44. So I don't ever, you know, get involved in um, that aspect. I'm glad one of my guys actually has an opportunity to be in the combine. Whether or not he makes the team, that's up to the Shrine Bowl staff. I believe in what they do. I've been in those rooms before when we were picking the uh, North-South game. Extremely hard to pick those top. 44 guys, um, especially even when you have the Shrine Bowl on top picking their guys and then you get to pick the next 44, there's still another 80, 90 guys that you could easily take. So it's a hard process. People don't realize how hard it really is, especially in this state, which is so talented in football. No doubt. Coach Smitty, hang tight. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we're heading to the Live 5 Studios in West Ashley. We've got him on the line right now, the one, the only, the legendary, the stone cold of sports right here in Charleston. That, of course, is Kevin Billadou. He's going to join us next. We're getting caught up with all the new head coaches around the great state, but mostly right here in the low country. And guess what? we got not one, but two guys since we've been on the air that are falling out at the next level. T.J. Hopkins, former Somerville grad, former University of South Carolina baseball guys now on to the big show. He's playing for the Reds and Shaq Davis. 
I've called his name a ton of times on the radio back in the day. He, of course, went to South Carolina State, played at Somerville. He is now down there in Louisiana. That's right. He is now, of course, uh, with the Saints. We'll talk about that and everything that's been happening around the low country. Don't go anywhere. Southern Sports Central coming right back right after this break. Central with Richie Altman and Eugene Benton taking your calls at further ado, we head over to the hotlines over there with the one and only Kevin Villadu, Stone Cold, if you will, with the introduction. Uh, Kev, man, welcome back to the show. Always family first. We start with you, and glad to have you with us to, here today to talk some uh, some high school sports and maybe touch a little bit of some other things around the corner. Heck yeah, boys. What's going on? Good to see you guys again. <laughs> man, I passed by you yesterday. Uh, I, I was uh, I was over in downtown. I saw you leaving the Riverdog Stadium, and I thought, there's the legend right there. Speeding to go to another <laughs> adventure, man. I tell you what, I wish they paid you by the mile, brother, because I don't think they could afford you if they paid you by the mile, could they? No, no <laughs> nobody could afford me by the mile. I, I wouldn't even be working if I was going by the mile for the last 18 years. Oh, my God. What was it last year or, or this past season? You hit, like, 20 games in, like, three hours. And, I mean, you were at one campus here, one campus there, and you just kept flying through. And all I could see is you coming around, going into – Main Street as you head down into Somerville, and there's that hard right hook, right, that goes in and drops yep. down, kind of like makes you feel like you're in another town. But, man, I can only see you hitting, like, two wheels coming around the corner to get back over to the firehouse. <laughs> hey, you know, sometimes you, you got to be quick in this, in this deal, you know. You gotta, if you're going to get to everything, you gotta, you got to turn on the Jets sometimes. Well, let's talk about the Jets and turning it on. Man, have we not seen this before? It seems like COVID all over again when it comes to coaching carousel. This past year, this past three or four weeks has been crazy. I mean, we've got a new coach at, at Fort Dorchester again. 
We've got a new coach over at Ashy Ridge. So that's two out of the three teams in DD2. They're going to see new guys calling shots on the sidelines. Then you go over to Berkeley County and the big dog, the Stags, they've got a new guy that they got out of Florida. You go and get a guy out of Georgia to run the Hanahan job. I mean, give me up to date on what's going on and what's your thoughts on all the hires. Who is the biggest hire you feel who had the biggest splash bringing in to the low country? Yeah, you know, the, the crazy thing about it is that, you know, how late it happened in the offseason. You know, normally, you know, we see a lot of these coaching changes happen right after the season, and then within a month, everything is pretty much set up after that. But this one, like you said, Coach LaPrado over at the Fort just announced a couple of weeks ago that he was retiring. Uh, before that, the, the coach at Ashley Ridge, uh, Shane Fiddler, he announced he was going over to airport, so they needed a new coach. And, you know, it, it happened a lot later in the offseason than we're usually used to seeing. And the other thing is we're seeing a lot more guys uh, coming in from outside the low country. You know, a, a lot in the years past we've just seen guys from our area just kind of bouncing around, going from school to school. And this year we saw a lot of schools go outside of the area more, some from within the state, some going out of the state. You mentioned uh, here in Hanahan where I am right now, uh, uh, Milan Turner being brought up from, from Georgia, a, very, a really successful guy. Uh, in Georgia high school football, spent last year at Georgia Southern, uh, kind of filling that unofficial, not unofficial, but he wasn't really a coach, but he was kind of uh, a bridge between the high school coaches and the coaches at Georgia Southern to kind of keep them in contact. So uh, he's been here. You know, my son's playing B team over at Hanahan this season, so I've I've gotten to see pretty up close, and and he's been really uh, just getting into it so far. So he's made a big commitment to this town, you know, early on. And it, it, it's really cool to see how much the town is, is really taken to him so far. Hey, I'm Kevin Billadu over there from Live 5 Sports. Glad to have him in here. He is our go-to guy, especially when it comes to the TV screens and big things around the low country and around the great state of South Carolina. Now, when you look at Coach Tate, Coach Tate is a guy, and I mentioned this before I brought you in, man. I met him when he was at Ritten. They just beat Myrtle Beach. The Luke Doty, of course, was on that, on, on that team. They were loaded. Uh, J.J., another young man who's playing a wide receiver at North Carolina, was uh, on that team. But they found a way to beat them. And it was a big night. And, and his wife was just as excited as he was. That's a thing as well now. And, again, I had the opportunity to be the voice of Somerville for a long time and did the TV stuff at Somerville for that race of 600 that Coach McKissick won. Uh, and uh, that's another conversation because there's a guy on his heels to possibly take that most winning his coach title this year out of Louisiana. Right. But, the, the, the wives of these coaches, uh, Kev, that you and I get an opportunity to run into when we interview their husbands or talk to their families, man, they play a big role into this too. And I know you have a chance to get to know a lot of them, as I do when you get a chance to be around the football program. How big is, uh, have you seen the families be a part of these moves with the guy from Florida, the coach over at Hanahan and things like that? Yeah, I mean, that's always a big part of it. And, you know, we're seeing more and more the, the reason these guys keep coming is because they want to live in the area. And, you know, we've, we've known that's uh, a drawing power for, for any position at this point. You know, people just want to come live in the Charleston area, even if it's, you know, not right on the beach. They want to be in, in our area because it's, it's, such, it's such a booming place right now that, that people want to be a part of it. So people are coming from out, outside the state, from, you know, other towns within the state. You mentioned Jeff Tate coming uh, he spent 15 seasons at Wren. Uh, he was the AD and the head coach there. Now he's just coming to be the, the head football coach over at Ashley Ridge. That's a, that's a big hire for them. They did a lot of, of, uh, of winning at that program up at Wren. And, you know, they, Ashley Ridge, you know, it, it's a lot of people still thinking of them as, as the new kid in that district. But 
you know, they've been around 15, 16 years now, and mm-hmm. they're still, you know, working hard to keep up with Fort Dorchester and Somerville. So having a guy like that who, who knows what it takes to win, that's a big deal for them. Let's say a DD2 right now, and, and you look at Somerville, right? And, and again, I'm going to say this. I think overall, I think Somerville is probably the, one of the hottest three teams in the low country as an athletic program, right? You got James Island, who you're seeing the success in football with Coach McCoy. You're seeing, of course, Coach Spivey in baseball, the basketball. They just brought a new guy in, which Porter Gowd's assistant coach is going to do great things over there. If I'm not mistaken, that's where he came from. But they've got great track and field at James Island. Then you go to Oceanside. Oceanside, same thing. Now, we're going to get into some of these changes in baseball head coaches here in just a minute, but they've also got great programs over there in the athletic department. You talked the football team did. The baseball team was a state championship. The spring sports were made to be in Oceanside, it seems like, because they were just winning trophies as quick as they were handing them out. But back to Somerville, Somerville seems like they've got this momentum as well. They've got that coach over there who is really honestly – uh, got his arms around a lot of great kids. They brought in a quarterback, I believe, from the Hanahan area. They've got one of the best linebackers I've seen. Uh, vertical jump is out of the gym. Uh, they've got Yannick as a wide receiver. They've got a defensive back back there. They've got a running back. They really seem, and this seems to be, if there was a year for Somerville football, this could be it. And it doesn't hurt them <laughs> that coach over at Fort Dorchester stepped down because you know, like I know, there's a lot of conversations uh, in a lot of restaurants around the town of Somerville, and these two schools are too far apart. Yeah, no, it, it would seem like if they're going to make that leap, not only for this year, but to be the more the more consistent program in that district, this is the year to do it. You know, Fort, uh, you know, they still have the talent, and the the coach who's taken over is is more than qualified to do that. But you know, the the thing we're seeing now that we didn't see when I started here is we're seeing the kids bounce around a lot more, and you know, kids transferring and and moving towns and and switching teams. So. You know, I don't know if, if Ford's going to be able to keep all the talent they've had, you know, in the past couple of years. And maybe some of those guys are going to go over to Somerville. We saw last year kids going from Somerville to Ford, and maybe this year we're, we're going to see kids going the other way. So it, it, it would feel like for Somerville it, it's all kind of lined up this year to make a run in football. And Ian Rafferty, uh, hard to believe he's kind of the dean of that district now as far as head football coaches, but he is been going into – uh, what is it, his fourth season now. So, right. you, know, you know, like I said, it, it it's all lined up for them to take it this year. It's just a matter of if they do. Yeah, Coach Rafferty's done a great job over at Somerville maintaining his staff, and I think that's the thing. I mean, of course, uh, you know, his defensive coordinator, Coach Self, I was over at Somerville for many, many, many years. Uh, I know 90% of that staff, uh, and even the ones that weren't there when I was there, I knew them through the world of sports. But he's kept a lot of the same – bricks around the house that, that uh, Coach McKissick built, Coach Call built, and that's what good coaches do. They don't just go in and always clean house. They make sure they keep the bricks that are strong and then add the other bricks to make it stronger, right? And he's done that with Coach Self. He's done that with Coach White. He's done that with so many other coaches. Coach Bellish is still over there. There's just so many other coaches uh, that are still there on top of bringing in guys that played at Somerville that can teach and preach and tell these young men, hey, look, that, that S on your chest, it means something. But the same goes back to Fort. I mean, the coach at Fort, Josh, is an amazing guy. I mean, he is a lot different than Coach. He's a lot different than, 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 than what we saw um, before. But that's not a bad thing either. No different than any other coach. I think you're going to see that he's going to do great things. And then, like I said, uh, Shane, of course, leaving, bringing in Coach Tate. Coach Tate is a guy who is 
you know, very wise, and, and he's been around a long time. So before people want to kind of put judgment out there on the guy, I believe you should check out his resume, number one, and be patient. Watch what happens. And I can tell you, I think football in DD2 is getting ready to get pretty interesting, but I agree. Coach Rafferty played at Somerville, played at college, played in the NFL, coached under, you know, uh, some great coaches before he took over his alma mater, and you see – he is consistently building better seasons by making it to the lower state this past year. Yeah, and they're definitely ready to, to keep that going, and they've got a lot of talent coming back this year. So I'm really interested to see what he can do early on. Before we change gates and, and talk baseball, high school baseball, because there's a couple coaches changes, and one really, really, really – maybe I missed the tweet or the, the memo where he's at now, but one really kind of shocked me. But let's talk about – uh, and we'll stay on the campus of Somerville because these two guys are in the show. One of them, T.J. Hopkins, who, my God, the kid is an amazing man off the field. And to see this kid smile the way he smiles on the field, playing for the Reds now, you know his story. It's Somerville. He then goes over there to South Carolina. He goes in the minors and just kept kept pounding and pounding and pounding. And now he got that call. And I tell you what, I think his family, and along with all the other people here in Somerville and around South Carolina, broke social media when it came out about 11 o'clock that he got the phone call to head to Cincinnati. Yeah, and that's always a fun story to see is, is a low country kid getting back to the majors. Uh, been a little while since we've seen that. I, don't, I can't remember one since uh, Nick Shufo. Maybe you can remember one in mm-hmm. between that. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, between him and, and Gardner, you know, Weeder, Smoke, Wojciechowski, I, I talked to you last night at the Riverdogs uh, celebrity softball game. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's always cool to see these low country kids get their shot in the majors, and TJ hopefully going to be able to take advantage of it. They've, they've got a lot of young guys. They're playing in Cincinnati right now, but they're winning games. So it's, it's, I'm, I'm curious to see how much uh, opportunity he's going to get as, as long as they keep winning games. Yeah, and I've watched this young man play at Parks Field. Parks, of course, right before you get to somewhere on the right, Little League, uh, the uh, Dixie East Field right there to the right. And uh, I remember him, Sawyer Bridges, and a couple other guys uh, came over to the studio. And Coach McKissick said, all right, I'm letting my boys come over. Just make sure my boys get back. So they came over and, and had lunch with us. We put them on the air. Uh, and now here he is, of course, uh, being it big, man. But he hasn't forgot where he came from. And I think that's also something that speaks volumes of his parents that I know really well. And uh, there's another Hopkins in the mix. Now, Brody is, uh, is balling out where he's at as well. So we'll keep our eye on Mr. Brody as well. The other gentleman on the campus from Somerville, right here uh, in uh, Somerville, is uh, Shaq Davis. Now, Shaq is a two-sport athlete, only played football in college, but was jumping out of the gym in basketball, but ended up deciding to go to South Carolina State under Buddy Pugh. Of course, he had uh, some great mentors while he was at Somerville. Uh, I watched him really do some incredible things. I've seen him catch some footballs that I didn't even think were possible, calling his number from uh, Jonathan Bennett to Shaq Davis for six nonstop weekend after weekend. But to see this kid go through the things, and I talked to his mom yesterday and told her, I said, if only people knew the real story behind this kid who fought like hell to get through every day and every grade and to get to college to do what he did. And he did, he did Deion Sanders dance right in front of Deion Sanders and drug it all the way across the end zone the year before. And this year gets the opportunity to get into the league. Now, he didn't get drafted, but I told his mom yesterday, I don't expect anything but. That's not his style. His style is to fight for what he's got and keep what he gets, and that's what he's been doing. So to see him now as an opportunity to play for the Saints, man, what's your thoughts? I know you've covered Shaq for a long time as well. Yeah, he was always a kid that 
you know, he was an automatic highlight in basketball because you knew he was going to jump through the roof and put down a couple dunks. So that was always, you know, one of the first stops on a Tuesday or Friday night was to get over to Somerville, make sure you got a Shaq Davis dunk, and then get out of there and get to the next one. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, football, his last season, his sophomore year at SC State, put up incredible numbers, helped lead SC State to that HBCU National Championship over Dion and Jackson State down at the George Dome. didn't really have uh, the best final season in SC State. I, I think mostly that's because, you know, people were just targeting him and, you know, they were putting double coverage on him and, and making sure that, you know, if they were going to lose to SC State, it wasn't going to be because of, of Shaq bringing in, you know, six catches for 180 yards and three touchdowns. So uh, definitely had more focus on him his final year with the Bulldogs. Um, so that may have hurt his chances of getting drafted, but, I mean, he, he's got the size. I'd like to see him put some more weight on uh, to be able to, to block a little bit more when he's with the Saints. But, you know, he's a guy we've seen time and time again. When, once he gets the opportunity, he almost always takes advantage of it. Hanging out with Kevin Billadu, Live 5 Sports' very own and a family member here at Southern Sports Central talking high school sports here. Get you caught up in hour one. And uh, two guys, again, we tip our cap to T.J. Hopkins to Shaq Davis, and for those young athletes, for those parents and those mamas and daddies listening, these kids come from Small Town USA, right here in Somerville, where the studio's at, right here, uh, the home of Sweet Tea and the legendary coach John McKissick. And I'm going to tell you something, it didn't come easy for either one of these two kids. They balled out, they they were told no, they uh, were cut, there were a lot of things that happened to get them to where they are, but here they are now, looking back. And the one thing that I talked to, and again, I talked to both mamas yesterday, because you know how to get to the young man? You go to the mama, and the mama's going to get you the conversation. And I talked to both of them yesterday. And um, such a, you know, and, Kev, I think you do this as well. You know, because we're so involved with the kids and their, and their families by covering them every day and every night or weekend after weekend, you know, their families take a liking to us. They understand that, listen, I don't want anything back from it. I'm just trying to help get this young man heard and, and talked about, right? We go about it the right way. And uh, just to hear the words that both of the parents said about yesterday about the way that, you know, that you and I, because and I had talked about you yesterday with her as well, and she just said, I can't even begin to tell you how grateful I am for the support that we have for guys like you and, and Kevin and, and the way that y'all really are respectful about our time and don't just really bombard your way in right away. So I wanted to pass that along to you as well. Um, looking at college high school baseball, let's say high school baseball, Bo Sharpie, is stepping down, I believe, and heading into the admin job, which I kind of had that feeling a few years ago. I didn't think it would be um, – thought it would be actually sooner than now, but I think he wanted to get through a couple of the young men that he had worked up to this point. And then Mr. Ritchie over there at Oceanside stepped down. Now, that one, the second one, kind of caught me off guard. Talk to me about some of these coaching changes in the high school baseball, which, by the way, um, a lot of teams around the low country did really well in high school baseball this year. Yeah, and there was another big one, too, right here in Hanahan, Brian Mitchell, uh, who had been with oh, yeah. the Hawks for 20-plus years. He stepped down, uh, I think it was the week before last. Now, he's staying with the school. Uh, he's been an assistant football coach for a long time, and uh, I think he, he says he's going to stay with uh, the baseball program as well, maybe coach the lower levels a little bit more. But, yeah, I mean, three guys who have had a lot of success over the last couple of years, especially, uh, you know, over at Oceanside, like you mentioned, uh, they're going through right now, you know, the the whole thing with the high school league and, you know, what, what are they going to do with these charter schools and schools like Oceanside and Great Collegiate over in Columbia. And, you know, that's that's just such a messy thing right now that I hate getting into. But, 
you know, Oceanside's had so much success, not only in baseball, but like you said, they were just lining up in those spring sports and lacrosse and soccer and, and everything else that, you know, it's, it's understandable why they're, they're getting so much heat for all that. But yeah, so that's, that's three, you know, really high profile gigs. And I know Somerville named their replacement uh, last week, the coach from over at Carolina forest. And, uh, you know, Hanahan, they're one of the schools in the low country that, you know, since I got here, they're right up there with Somerville as far as the success they've had. You know, you put them in the class with Bishop England and, and Somerville and Wando and those schools that have always been really good at baseball, you know, for the last couple of decades. So some some big changes coming, and it's going to be interesting to see who goes what way when they make these changes. And I believe Ronnie Sears is no longer. Is that true, too? Did Ronnie Sears step down at Fort Dorchester? I just, it just hit me just now as we were talking about the Hennigan coach, but I, I thought I saw somewhere where they had maybe replaced him as well, or he maybe he stepped down. Is that, do you know if that happened uh, in the last couple of days? I believe that's true. I also heard they made a change at West Ashley, that Coach Acevedo was, was stepping down. I, I, I haven't heard wow. more on that, but uh, that's, that's another one that I've heard. So there's a lot of big moves being made. And these are big schools with great programs that I know, again, you know, and now we look at it. Who, now who's the big dog in DD2 is going to be, well, Coach BJ. He's, uh, but he's been around a long time. He stepped away from the game, and, and he just wasn't done yet. So Coach Bellich comes back. He's now the coach over at Asher Ridge, which, by the way, also had a great season as well. Uh, there's just so many great yeah. uh, sports here in the spring. That's something I want to get before I get you off the air. It seems like the spring sports, in the lower part of the low country down here where we are, we seem to thrive in, in, in track and field. And, well, we do really well in wrestling. It's a winter sport. But baseball and all those softball, I mean, with Somerville, congratulations, winning the state championship, ladies, over there with Coach Tucker. But why is it that we seem to be so good in the spring sports over here, but there's something missing in the fall sports, Kevin? You've been covering high school sports for a long time. Why do the upstate seem to have such a heat on us? I mean, we saw it in the state championship game with Oceanside that was in it. I uh, know we did, of course, we did get Buford, and congratulations to those guys winning a state championship down there uh, in Buford representing the lower state. But, you know, Fort Dorchester wasn't able to catch, you know, Dutch Fork, which I don't even know if the – I really don't know if the Panthers could beat Dutch Fork some days. But uh, why is there such a gap between how good we are in the spring and how much we just seem to miss something in the fall? Yeah, it's really interesting because, like you said, you know, we've, we've, we haven't had a lot of teams from the low country make it uh in in football now we're in the we seem to do pretty well in volleyball you know we've always got you know even before oceanside wando is always right there bishop england uh you know they won what was it 22 straight state championships you know for for a long time so that's that's something we're always right there in basketball you know there's usually one or two teams that that are right there but yeah like you said spring is just something that the low country has always dominated and especially you know when you look at soccer uh, it, it's really the Mount Pleasant schools that are they're doing most of the damage. You know, Ashley Ridge did a had a great job this year in uh, 5A boys, but normally you're looking over at Wando and and Oceanside since they started, and especially Bishop England in soccer and lacrosse and and uh, baseball as well. Uh, it's it's just the programs those schools have put together, and it, a lot of the focus goes towards these schools. And you know, Wando and and BE they've been lucky to have some amazing coaches that have really, you know, led these programs to where they, they are right now as, as some of the top ones in the state. So, it, you know, part of it's luck, part, you know, having the right people right there, that, you know, that's, that's not always luck, but it's it just worked out that way. So, you know. Right. 
like we said, just you know, the some of the thing, best coaches. Well, the one thing, Kevin, that I hear a lot of times, and, and, and I thought about this before I even brought this up, but I always hear it's facilities, it's facilities, facilities. Well, do they not need facilities in the, in, the, in the spring? Because if that's the case, then we're not winning any championships in the spring. But they are winning championships. So that's just, again, it, it, it's just one of those things. And, again, I, Eugene and I and, and all the other guests that I have come in and, and co-hosts that I bring in here, we always debate this thing. And it's always that, that, that running conversation, the tabling conversation of why or where are we missing. Because I would love to see, and, again, to see – Buford win a state championship last year, or this past year, I thought was amazing and, and, and awesome. Now, Myrtle Beach and the up, up there, of course, on the Grand Strand, they have some things going on. But down here in the low country, and the low country goes all the way from me, from about Georgetown all the way down there to that border of Georgia and, and South Carolina. So I don't forget about Hilton Head and, and Buford. Y'all are the low country as well, well Branch and all that. But it just seems to be somewhere we're mixing to where maybe it's still too warm and the kids just aren't ready to get on the football field. You know, I, I don't know, but I would love to hear a coach really kind of let us know, hey, this is what's going on. Here's why we seem to can't get over the hurdle of taking over that upper state and, and having about three or four good years of winning state championships in the fall. Yeah, you know, I, I've talked with coaches like that in the past, too. I, I remember I had a conversation with Bob Hayes, uh, the legendary coach over at Wando, mm. you know, years ago before he passed away. And, you know, we were talking – and I, it, I'm trying to remember how the conversation went, but we were talking about, you know, how Wando, I think at the time they were the biggest high school in the state, they, and I know they're still up there. And I was saying, you know, mm-hmm. why can't this school be a, a competitor in football? You know, Wando, they've had a couple of good years since I've been here, but they've never really been, uh, you know, a consistent winner. And I said, why Why isn't that? And he, was, he looked at me and he was like, you know, kids over here, they don't need it. You know, they – they, they don't need football to, to go off to the next level and, and do what they want to do. You know, a lot of them can do that just playing soccer and, and tennis and stuff like that. And he was like, you know, and, and some of these other places, you go to Columbia, you go to the upstate, you know, places like that. He's like, those kids need it. If, if they're going to go to college, they need to play football and, and get that opportunity for a scholarship. So, you know, and that's, that's not the case everywhere in the low country. You know, a lot of kids here need it too. And, and a lot of the kids, mm-hmm. you know, come through and they get those opportunities. But that, that, that was one thing that's always stuck with me is what Bob Hayes said about over at Wando. So I, that's, that's one, one opinion, at least. That's a great opinion. And I would second that motion because, again, I spent a year at Oceanside with Coach Call when he was there. And I thank God more now than I did because that was his last year. It looks like to be in college with him now being over at the Citadel. Uh, but it's funny because look at Lucy Beckham. They've been, a, they've been in the system for a very little bit of time, and, man, the success they've automatically had. I pretty much think Wando will, will play Lucy Beckham. I know they won't play Oceanside, but I'm pretty sure they won't yeah. play Lucy Beckham. And I know that's going to hurt some people's feelings to say that about Wando because uh, sensitive, it's a little more sensitive on that side of the, the world. But for me, to see Lucy Beckham have the success they do, there's no reason that Wando hasn't been. I mean, you walk in the hallways and you nailed it. At one point, not sure where they stand now, they were the biggest – high school in the state of South Carolina. You can't tell me they can't go find five dudes on the front line that weigh 350 pounds that can do what they need to do. So um, before I get you out of here, if we gave a trophy to an athletic program, brother, and I mentioned three te- three schools that I think overall would get a, a, a trophy, at an athletic overall pitcher. You've got Oceanside, who continues to win trophies after trophies in the fall, excuse me, in the spring. They did some good stuff in the summertime with their basketball program. Uh, with Coach Hollister, and then, of course, football, they were in the state championship. James Island, same thing. Coach McCoy, I'm telling you, this could be a big year for the Trojans. Keep an eye up over there for those guys. 
but they also carried it in the basketball season. They carried it in to the, uh, to the spring as well. And then Somerville. Somerville, of course, had their success. They did get a state championship out of softball. Out of those three schools, who do you think is the hottest three uh, out of that as an overall athletic department? I mean, if you're looking at overall, I, I think it's got to be Oceanside. And I know that's, that's controversial for the reasons we talked about earlier. But, I mean, you know, making right. the state championship in, in football. They win a state championship in volleyball. You know, the basketball team had a really good season. And then you see, you know, lacrosse, they're right there. Soccer, they're right there. So, yeah, I, I think if you're looking overall, Oceanside is there pretty much every season for in every sport. So, yeah, I, I would say it goes to them right now. Gotcha, man. Hey, Kevin, I know you're busy. You got a lot going on. You're over in Anaheim. We'll catch up to you soon. We always appreciate it. You're our go-to guy when it comes to the high school sports around, man. Anything you got going on? Uh, coming up this week, next week, anything you want to give yourself an opportunity to give a plug, let us know, man. Man, it's it's the slow season right now, which is good because we, we need a break before we, we rev up into football season. So everyone go check out, you know, check me out on social media, Kevin Live Hive on Twitter, if Twitter's still around in, in a week or so. Uh, I'm there on Instagram, on Facebook as well, and I'm trying to get a TikTok going. So <laughs> I'm not doing any dances, though, so I, I don't worry about that. No cha-cha. I got you, boss. Hey, man, we look forward to it. I'll catch up with you soon. I'll get up with you off the air. Maybe we can catch a baseball game or something while it's some downtime. Man, always appreciate you being a part of the show and always appreciate your support of our dreams over here at Southern Sports Central, buddy. Thank you. All right, guys. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. There he is, ladies and gentlemen, the man, the myth, the legend. When we come back, because we're going to take a reset, we'll recap our number one. We'll head into our number two. We'll bring in the coach, Coach Smitty. He'll come in to talk about our two. What's that about? That's about college. We'll talk high school, excuse me, college football, college baseball, as there is the College World Series happening right now, and there are some teams in the Southeast in it, so we'll cover it. And then, of course, we're going to talk about some things that might upset a few people. We're talking recruiting the right way, the wrong way, and the only way you should be doing it. We'll be right back. You're listening to Southern Sports Central, final session of Hour 1, right after this break, guys. Don't go anywhere. Running uh, on a regular basis. We're not going anywhere. We thought about it. 
But by popular request and demand, we're back. We're going to stay back. We're going to interview coaches, players. We're going to get in here, of course, with uh, Kevin Villadeus of the world, the Coach Smitties of the world, uh, and a lot more guests who, of course, couldn't join us today uh, because it is kind of a travel season because we've all been covering sports or they've been covering sports for the last so many months. I know uh, uh, Reggie always comes in here. He played, of course, at Penn State. He's actually on a plane heading somewhere right now, but he said he'll jump in here with us next week. Uh, to talk college football and some other stuff as well. But follow us on Facebook, Southern Sports Central. Follow us on Twitter, at SO Sports Central. Of course, you can hit me up over at Richie Altman on Twitter as well to keep up with all the updates and things happening around the uh, world of Southern Sports Central. Now, Coach Smitty, welcome back, buddy. Thanks for uh, hanging out with me and Kev there. Kev kind of getting some information in. But, um, man, I tell you, a lot of changes are happening. And we talked about it before we brought him in. And so many coaching changes. I mean, we named how many high school coaches in football, how many high school coaches in uh, baseball. There is one on James Island in basketball. But this is yep. kind of what it is. And a lot of it has to do with multiple things. I don't think you could really, Coach Smitty, say it's one thing. I think it's multiple things that have just getting some right. of the people out. I mean, even in teachers are the same way. You're in the school system over there where you are yes. in Street. I mean, teachers are dropping like flies right now. Yes, it's a huge uh, – a huge epidemic in the teaching industry right now where, I mean, you have even in your bigger districts, Richland County one, Richland two, they got over 200 openings, uh, teacher vacancies. So it's a huge problem that I don't think will be addressed anytime soon. And uh, that's unfortunate for the kids growing up these days uh, because they're the ones who suffer when you have teacher vacancies. But um, that's a huge issue just in the whole profession in general right now right and we didn't even now, the mention one thing that uh, locally right? here they had a coaching change recently lakewood high school just hired um gamecock great really offered uh Look at I, you. I, I think he'll do a fantastic job there at lakewood so that that was a great hire for them but they just changed it over as well you're exactly right, and that would happen kind of out of nowhere. I mean, it literally, I saw it at like 10 o'clock at night the other night, and I looked up at my phone, and I had to refresh to make sure it was real, and I wasn't being catfished because I tell you, I actually had a chance to work with uh, on the football field and hang out, I guess you could say, with, with, with Coach O. He was the defensive coordinator. They put me on that side of the ball to hang out uh, with Coach Crosby, another former Gamecock, um, like myself, and, of course, uh, Coach O. Uh, it was a very heavy Gamecock crew, by the way, over there. But that being said um, – he, he is the most passionate, entertaining, yet energetic guy I've met. I mean, this guy would still – and he looks like he still plays football, by the way. He would run through a wall to prove a point. And I've seen some of his, uh, some of his coaching styles that, that I think works really well. Uh, I think given the right athletes, they could understand that, you know, the world ain't all sunshine and cupcakes and rainbows and leprechauns and unicorns or whatever else it is. You know, it's a tough rule – uh, hard world we live in. And, and Coach, I'm going to tell you that Coach O is going to remind those kids. He came out of the state of Florida, played in Florida, came to South Carolina, played in the league, by the way, played in the league. Yeah, played. He knows what it takes to get the NFL. Came back down to Florida. Coach won some state championships down there in Florida. Wanted to come to South Carolina where he had really done an amazing job as a, high, a college athlete. He got back here. And uh, I just thank God that he got his chance. I think this is just the beginning of some greatness that's going to happen uh, with Coach O. He'll surround himself with some great guys that are going to do uh, things the way that he likes it done. Uh, he can motivate you literally 
to do about anything that, that he wants you to do. But it, and, and it's those style coaches that I grew up with, right? You and I both played for coaches that were a lot like Coach O. They were a lot like you. And back in my days when I would coach, it was a lot like me, right? Look, I'm not telling you to do something that I wouldn't do or couldn't do. I'm telling you to do something that's going to get you to where you're trying to go. Or you can do it your way, and you can tweet about how you're upset that you didn't get what you wanted because you did it your way later, right? Correct. So that's, that's just one of the many things. And you look at Coach O, he, he's a guy who I think, again, he'll do great things. And congratulations to him. He and I were texting back and forth the other night. I'm definitely going to get him uh, on the show with us as we get things back up and going. Coach Holloman, by the way, <laughs> Coach Holloman, another former Gamecock, no more fo- no, uh, another former NFL football player who's now hanging out at Pinewood Prep, minutes away from the studio, by the way. I mean, I could probably hit it with a rock uh, if I still had a good arm over here. Uh, he's a guy who's going to do great things on and off the campus at Pinewood. Uh, coach Waters, Johnny Waters has got a new gig. Uh, and, and, and there's another coach over, a new coach over over at um, at First Baptist. I mean, there are a lot of coaching changes. We didn't even talk about those three guys. And that's, of course, in, uh, and, and that's, of course, that's the skeezer. But still, good football. And with football now, I used to not be a big skeezer guy, Coach. I'm going to be honest with you, before we change gear to college, you should not be a big skeezer guy because I didn't think they played. It wasn't the same type of football uh, talent-wise. And I thought to myself, you know what? Now you're seeing a change of things. And you're seeing that with charter schools that are coming in. You're seeing that with different things. But all I, if I was a skeezer coach, here's what I would tell a kid. Look, come here, ball out, get you some good film, right? Put that thing on social media, they'll find you. And you say this all the time off the air with me. If you're good, they will find you. Go where you can grow. Go where you can get seen. Can't get seen standing on the sideline. But if you could jump out of a gym and you could jump off a football field into a sideline, go where they give you the opportunity, right, Coach? That's right. You know, a lot of guys get tied up in titles and tied up in I want to be power five. And, you know, that's that's fine. Everybody has a dream. It's good to have a dream. At some point, reality has to set in. And also, hopefully, someone has been honest with those young men or women because um, they get recruited as well. But you have to be honest right. with them and let them know what the parameters are. And as we always talk about, the first parameter is the eye test. Uh, and there's right. certain requirements in the eye test that especially Power 5 are looking at now where you got to pass that first before you even get on to them looking at your film or them being interested in you as a player. So – I think it's important that the players know what those parameters are. For instance, if you're an O lineman these days, uh, power five wise, you have to be six four or taller. If you're not six four or taller and two seventy five plus, pushing three hundred plus, you're 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 not going power five. Plain and simple. If you're a D lineman, six three plus, two fifty five plus. And, again, there's always, you know, someone's going to probably call the show and, hey, well, so-and-so was, yeah, they're an outlier. We're talking about the majority of players they're recruiting these days at these positions. Same thing with wide receivers. you got to be 6'2 plus unless you're extremely fast and agile. When I say extremely fast mm-hmm. and agile, we're talking the elite of the elite speed-wise, change of direction-wise. If you're not one of those guys, you got no chance of being a power five wideout. Same thing with running back. It's kind of following the 
wide receiver position, although you don't have to be as tall as the wideout position, uh, but you do need that elite agility slash speed, again, uh, that is not common for most kids. Um, and then you're looking at D-backs. D-backs are following the wideouts now. They want you 6'2 and taller to be a D-back, and they want you, again, to have elite agility and speed. Uh, and then we get on to your tight ends, to all tight ends now, 6'5 and taller. 6'5 and taller. So if you're not a 6'5 tight end, the odds of you going power five are probably very slim. Uh, so, again, those are the, you know, the parameters that they're looking for. Linebacker-wise, again, 6'2 or taller, pushing 6'4 now. Um, so especially if you're an outside backer, they want you more tall than not, so 6'4 and taller. If you're not 6'4, if you're a 6-foot guy, you probably need to be looking down a level or two at first, try to work your way up. And then you get into your yeah, specialist and stuff like that. And, again, they still got to pass the eye test as a specialist. So they they want those guys, again, to look like a power five player. They got to have power five athletic ability. And, again, a lot of people I'm seeing aren't being honest with a lot of kids these days. They're selling them pipe dreams that don't necessarily come true, that they can, you know, they're taking them only to power five camps. And that's a huge mistake, in my opinion. And, again, I speak from experience. We've put out over 40 guys for all different levels of college football in my career. Uh, we, we average about three to four guys every year that sign scholarships. And there's a reason for that. We're very truthful with our players. We're truthful of what where they can play out and how they attack the recruiting scene how they need to treat every level with respect, whether it's a D3 school talking to you, whether it's a D2 school talking to you, whether it's NAIA, all the way up. And we actually attack it in reverse. So we're going to start at the smaller levels and work our way up. So you never get to that top level. Well, we got something to fall back on. A lot of guys only focus on the power five level, and then they get left out in the end because they big-timed all the lower divisions. And that's a terrible recruiting strategy. So hopefully there's some parents listening. There's some players listening. There's some uh, coaches listening that might be new to the game. Please don't just attack the Power 5 level. Please give the Group of Five, FCS, Division Two, NAIA the same respect and, and push your kids to those kids because the majority of your kids are going to play at those levels anyways. Very few people are Power 5 kids. Less than a percent of kids is a power five kid. And you would know a power five kid if you had one. So, um, again, make sure they're getting to camps where they actually have a chance. And that's my best advice I can give out. That's good advice. Let's take a quick break. Reset. Top of the hour is now here. If you want to call in and join us live, talk high school, talk college. It doesn't matter. Some sports right now is a good time. we got another hour that we'll hang out with you here on Southern Sports Central. The number to call in is 515 515- 602-9675. Again, the number 515-602-9675. Follow us on Facebook at Southern Sports Central, on Twitter at SO Sports Central. Of course, you can hit me up on my own at Richie Altman. We're going to talk college. We'll still add in recruiting because it all goes together, guys. Don't go anywhere. Hour two right after this break, guys. There is nothing more intoxicating than the mailed 
of emotions and sensations that is Friday night. Friday night is the sound of that crowd, the pride of that community, the way that that grass smells. I've never felt in my adult life the way that I felt on Friday nights. That's what those kids are playing for. They're playing for that emotion. They're playing for that brotherhood and all of that sensory input that comes from Friday night. That's why they're playing high school football in this country. It is this common thread that weaves through the American fabric. Whether you live in Compton, California, or you live in Appalachia, if you played the game at the high school level, you have this common bond of representing that community. Anyone who disparages where the game is based on myriad reasons. I'm not buying it. I'm around the game every day on these campuses. I see the impact it has on these young men. I see the way that these coaches are able to grow high school boys into NFL or professional men. And it's just beautiful. Welcome to Southern Sports Central, your source for all things sports, with your host, Richie Altman, Richie Altman. and Eugene Benton taking your call at 323-784-9681. Now, let's join Richie in the studio. Welcome, everybody, back here for hour number two as we're coming to you live from Somerville, South Carolina, on the coastline of the uh, great state of South Carolina. I'm joined by Coach Smitty. Of course, uh, he is the head football coach over King Street. He's been an athletic director, head football coach. He's played the game called college football. He played it over at the Dell. So we're glad to have Coach in here with us. And he's going to be a familiar voice that you'll hear more of, along with a few others as we continue to go on. Eugene, of course, uh, out and about today, not here with us, but uh, could, should, might join us maybe later today. If not, we'll hear from him at some point. And uh, he's been a busy man, of course. Like I told you guys, he's also a coach over at James Island uh, where he coaches the special teams and does things over there for Coach McCoy, uh, who's doing an incredible job with the Trojans on the island. And, of course, um, you know, Eugene also has his own kicking uh, group of guys, and he does things with those guys as well. So he's been kind of traveling with those young men, kind of helping them out along the way. Now, Coach Smitty, let's stay with the topic. Um, let's stay with the topic today, and that is recruiting. Um, you know, again, this, again, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to call in and you don't agree with what we say, that's what's up. Call in, talk to us, tell me what you think. Anything Coach Smitty says, again, he's a guy who's played college football. I've played college baseball. Uh, we know what it takes to get to those levels. And athletes and athletes, okay? I mean, it is what it is. Uh, and at the end of the day, um, recruiting is recruiting. Now, it has changed dramatically, Coach Smitty. And this is showing our age back in the 90s, buddy. Uh, it ain't what it used to be, Coach. Uh, as our parents used to tell us, I remember the days. And, and that's true now more than ever. Uh, because of the transfer portal, because of the NIL deal, and let's be honest, because of social media, Things are not what they used to be. And coaches, honestly, if I was a head football coach at the University of wherever, right, 
at the University of Southern Sports Central, and I got a chance to go to a portal. And go, it's like walking into the 7-Eleven and going to aisle three, getting me a quarterback that has already gone through the freshman hiccups, who's already gone through the ups and downs and all arounds and missing mama. I can go get him off of that shelf and put him in my system. Coach Smitty, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. If I can go get me a kicker from Australia, straight off the Barbie, <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm not here to win right. friends. I'm here to win games. It is a business. And we have to continue to remind these kids that. When they're taking visits, and we're going to get into that right now because I honestly believe that we have got to do a better job of educating our kids and saying, look, it's okay to dream big, but you got to mix it with some reality or it's going to taste like watered-down sweet tea, and that ain't no good. That's, you know, that's accurate to the, to the point as you can be. I remember when I was – a player at the Citadel, I remember when I was coaching at the Citadel and recruiting has changed dramatically just from that point to now. I remember when I was recruiting at the Citadel, we actually at that time started signing some fifth-year players and, and drew some um, criticism for signing fifth-year players. We signed Willie Simmons out of Clemson, who had a phenomenal year as a fifth-year guy at the Citadel, led us to a 6-6 six and six season and just missed the playoffs and, and – we beat, for the first time, Georgia Southern, App State, and uh, Furman back-to-back-to-back that year where it was an incredible um, streak of three straight games that had never happened in the history of that school before. So you, we saw back then a glimpse of what was going to happen when Transfer Portal um, nowadays has opened up. So what parents, coaches, players need to understand is from here on out, unless the rules change again, hmm. your higher-level schools, your Power Fives, your Group of Fives, are only going to sign half of the high school kids they used to sign. Half. So, for instance, we used to sign between 26 to 30 kids per season, those levels. Now you're going to see they only sign between 15 to 17 high school kids for each team. Uh, everybody else will be transfer portal guys. And some teams will be even lower than that. Some teams, as we saw with Colorado, we saw with LSU when Brian Kelly took over, we saw with uh, Southern Cal, they were in the less than 10 high school players in, that they signed, and everybody else was transfer portal. So transfer portal has definitely changed the game forever as far as high school recruiting goes so obviously that means less spots available for players um so that means again you got to kind of fine-tune your strategy as a parent as a coach as a player of where you might fit in in that whole pyramid of prospects and how you're going to achieve the ultimate goal that you want to achieve which is usually to play college football somewhere so uh, it's real important, though, that you target places, again, that, like I said in the previous segment, you got to target places that are realistic. And that, that's a, I know that's hard hard pill to swallow for a lot of guys, but it also um, will cause you a lot less heartache and burn at the end when this recruiting season comes to an end, which for those power fives, Coming to an end real soon here. About a week from now, Power Fives are done with this year's class pretty much. Uh, there's always, an, again, always an outlier, right? There will be a 
five-star guy that might sign in January just because he's a five-star. Or there'll be a guy that just everybody might have forgot about that was kind of under the radar. Maybe he didn't have grades at the time, but he'll pop up and have grades in December and he'll sign in January. But for the most part, right. Power Fives are done next week. They already have their boards created. They already have, they're already taking three weeks of official visits with multiple commitments. So next week's kind of that cutoff point for Power Fives. Group of five will go on for a little bit longer, not much longer. Um, and then, you know, your FCSs are still on a traditional kind of recruiting calendar where they'll recruit all the way up till January. And then Division Two, II, Division Three are, are still on a traditional recruiting calendar, which we're used to. But even those schools, again, are taking transfer portal guys. So, again, they're taking less guys than they normally would as well. Right. And, again, we're talking here about high school recruiting into college. We have turned the page and gone up a level to college because it all kind of mirrors together. And, again, here's my thing. Coach, I want to be be an honest guy on this show because I think that's one of the things that I love about what we do here is that we say the things that, quite frankly, some won't say. We will be honest to a point. I don't see any point, any point, to go into a school three or four times if they haven't None. personally picked right. up a phone and called you. I'm not talking about inboxing you because you know what? That's called catfishing. Right. And you know what? I can right. say it because I'm not looking for any college coach to recruit me or any of my kids. You and I both know that GAs run Twitter accounts. You and I both know GAs right. get paid by the camps and the attendance in those camps. That's how they get a lot of them get paid. Now, there might be other ways. Again, I'm not a GA. I don't know. Right. Never played one on TV. That's, don't know, don't know nothing about it. Their money. Yeah. Right. That's a good job. Right. So why would they not tell you, hey, we love you, we like you, we want to date you, can you come on over here to the ball and dance with me? That right. don't mean they're going to give you a scholarship. That don't mean they're going to do anything but give you a little sweatshirt or, or something to work out in and then take a picture with you with the deuces in the air because they appreciate you. They also appreciate what you brought to the to the field. But right. it's just like everybody wants to date. Listen to me. Everybody wants to date the prom queen. Everybody wants to date that 10-star, that 5-star, whatever it is. But not everybody has – not everybody is in that, in, in that wheelhouse. And so what you have to realize is that you got to go where you can grow. In other words, go to that campus. I'm not telling you, don't go visit the University of Alabama. Don't go visit the University of Georgia's and – and I'm just naming teams that, are, that, that have done well in the last few years, or Ohio State or the Michigan Wolverines or wherever the hell you want to go, go, please go and have a good time. And matter of fact, take a bunch of pictures for your mom and just, man, damn, have a good time. But you need to understand the difference between having a good time and being on an official visit. Understand the difference between hanging out and talking business. And if they're not getting back to you when you leave a camp and telling you what you did wrong, then they probably – it's like They're a job recruit. interview. Right. You go to a job when They're you grow recruit. up and become an adult. Right. They're not recruiting you. Right. But it's like go if you go – if listen, if I go to a job and interview for a job and they don't call me back, guess what that means? They don't want me. You think those Correct. jobs are going to call me and say, Rich, I don't want you to come, but, man, this is what you did wrong in your interview. <laughs> they don't got time for that. They don't care. They don't no. care. And that's right. the part that you've got to tell these kids the truth. And say, look, okay, Correct. well, we're, we're singling out ourselves. I would recommend, Correct. and I've had this conversation with many of y'all, start low. Start at the smaller schools 
work your way up, get an offer from, and I'm going to mention schools around our area here in South Carolina. Start at the Citadel. Start at Charleston Southern. Go to Walford. Go to North Greenville. Go to some of these schools and get a few offers on your pocket. Put that on your little Twitter account. Limestone. Right. Anderson University. Look at us. We're just name. We're giving you opportunities, guys. We're giving you the recipe to the right, you know, for what you're looking for. Benedict. South Carolina State isn't by no means on the bottom side, but they're still a team that you need to go visit. Guys, speaking from experience, I have two players who play at Benedict. I have currently two who play at um, Newberry. I have two who are going to Irvington here. By the way, Coach, both uh, by both Newberry and Benedict are coming off of great seasons. And by the way, yeah, I yeah, think Newberry might be one of the hottest teams in our state in football. That guy is just under the radar doing amazing things at Newberry. Yeah, Coach Todd Knight does a fantastic, phenomenal job. One of the, in my opinion, better coaches in the entire college realm of his staff has always done a great job that 99% of their players always come from the state of South Carolina. So why would you not support those programs and start off with those, start off with your Newberries, like I said, your Erkskins, your Anderson Universities who just started up, um, which is a great opportunity for a lot of guys. Uh, you got right on our border, you got UNC Pembroke who's starting to recruit mm. our state really hard. Start at that level and, and work your way up. If, if you get a scholarship from them and, then, and and you think you can play at a higher level, by all means, go and compete at another camp at a higher level. But I would start at one of those camps first, player, right. and, and try and prove myself there. And also, it might be where I find my fit. That might be where I need to grow at to become the best player. And they've had players here recently. North Greenville had a guy go – um, in the portal and start for Michigan State. Um, Erkskin had a guy who left Erkskin and went to um, Power Five as well. So they'll find you. The Power Fives will eventually find you if you're good enough and you've done enough great things in your career. I know South Carolina took Newberry's running back from this past year, Mario Anderson, Anderson a guy who's from the local – area, right? Right there from, um, I believe, Stratford High School. Stratford, yep. Yeah, so he's now playing for the Gamecocks. He had a great, phenomenal career at Newberry, now playing at the Gamecocks. So, again, go where you can grow. That's the most important lesson from this whole talk is go where you can grow. And, and, and too many guys these days are caught up in the Power Five fame, and they don't realize, and, and this is for the parents too again, parents, Coaches, young coaches, players, Power 5 is a multi-billion dollar business. You got to get that in your head. It's a billion dollar business. It's not a schooling aspect anymore. It's a multi-billion dollar business. So when you realize that it's a business, a lot of the stuff at that level is transactional. They're trying to win, period. So that's why they have those parameters I mentioned in the last section. They have to win and they have to win now because, again, pretty much anybody on staff at a Power 5 school now is making over half a million plus as a salary, and it's their job to win right now. They don't no longer are the days where they get to, you know, kind of feel things out and you'll be around for two or three years no matter what happens. 
those days are over. They got to win now. And that means, again, the recruiting cycle has picked up. Uh, they have an army of analysts that you were talking about. Those analysts are, you know, the nuts and bolts of the whole operation where they're actually doing a lot of the email and a lot of the communication services. Um, and then your coaches are, are focusing on mainly coaching and as well as, you know, they have their special recruits that they'll kind of get involved with, but it's a multi-billion dollar business. So, that might not be your best fit, just, you know, being totally honest. And, and again, you got to be elite of the elite to be at that level. So um, there's a lot of criteria involved in being elite of the elite that a lot of people kind of get confused on um, and think just because they made their local all-star or their local region team, or it might even made all state um, that they're elite of the elite. That's not necessarily true. Again, you still got to fit the highball test, the parameters test of what they're looking for in a power five player. No doubt. Hanging out with Coach Smitty here. Brian As we're getting ready to kind of move some things around here, talking college baseball, college football here in hour two, just uh, want to get you guys again up to date and ready to rock and roll here uh, in recruiting. It is a big part. It is getting more and more complicated and, again, look, I get it. I understand everybody wants to see what the university of uh, your dream school looks like, right? And I've said this to many athletes before. You should have five schools. And this is where I struggle with certain people and certain coaches and certain people that we've all had conversations with because we've all agreed. And then they get in the mix or they get in the sauce and they forget it. Five schools. You're number one right at the top, okay? That's your dream school. That's if, man, if God came down and gave you a wish, that would be the wish you would ask for. All right? After that? That's the next school that it might not be the university of wherever you wanted to go, but it's right under there. I mean, it's so close. But then there's that middle one that you know you can, you know, you can get into that one. That's the one. Then the other two are kind of your fallback guys. Those are the other two. But if you're putting every egg in your basket, it's got to be a power five egg. It's going to be some spoiled eggs because they're not going to all hatch. And let's be honest. Certain positions are even harder. And I've learned that through the last probably four or five months in conversations. Yeah, you know, there's just certain things that you want to set yourself up for success. And to do that, you've got to have a plan. You've got to work your plan. Just like you did to get on the football field, you've got to do the same to get to the field you're trying to go to. We understand you would love to be on the SEC network, the ACC network, the Big Ten, Big 12, and any other network there is. Who doesn't want to be there? Every boy wakes up that's an athlete wants to play in the league. It's just a smaller handful of guys that gets the chance to do that, or a lady gets the chance to do that. If you look at a funnel, the top of the funnel is Little League. Everything past that is getting into the big league, whether it be football or baseball or basketball. Only if you make it. You're not going to make it if you're on the sideline watching. You're not going to make it if you don't even get an opportunity and you waste your time and they say you big time the little schools. They're not going to take you. I have seen a guy in this area a few years ago did not get an opportunity because he was – and he might not be wrong. I'm not saying he's wrong, but he didn't take a chance and go and see smaller schools. He said, I'm going to do it later. And then later became never. Because just like the big schools, well, they got a quota of numbers that they're going to hit too. And sooner or later, that's just where it's going to happen. And they're going to be out of, pro- they're going to be out of scholarships, out of opportunities. And all of a sudden, you just road trip yourself out of an opportunity. 
My suggestion is, and I love seeing camps happen again because Coach Mitty, COVID season, man, we didn't see these things. And that's where, of course, you know, you had all these pop-up camps coming up. We went to Charlotte and covered one uh, a couple of times for those guys up there that did a great job. We did one in Columbia, went one to Atlanta where we took some kids and put them in hotels and paid for their way. We really did as much as we could because we understand they needed to be seen. But at least now you're seeing college campuses open up. Don't take your kid to a college campus unless there's multiple schools at, at this camp. In other words, like you, Coach Mitty, y'all went to Duke and there were four or five other schools in, in the house. Give your kid a chance. If you get offered by Duke, that's great. But you're giving your kid a chance to see four or five other levels of what may or may not be. Because you can't play again if you don't get another opportunity, correct? Correct. And, again, you got to have a targeted plan in this recruiting deal. So you, you mentioned – a lot of great points, but they also got to remember your smaller schools are great opportunities. South Carolina State, for instance, we talked about Shaq Davis earlier on the show, and he's just one of many former Bulldogs who have made it to the pros. Matter of fact, mm-hmm. they have more NFL Hall of Famers than any school in our state at South Carolina State. So, for instance, I know my team, they're going to be at South Carolina State's camp. They're going to go to the Citadel camp. They're going to go to Newberry's camp. We're going to go to UNC Pembroke Satellite Camp at Somerville High School. Because, again, now I'm hitting every level possible for my guys. And, like I said, we already Mm -hmm. attended Duke. So we got our Power Five out of the way. There were other um, schools there as well, um, North Carolina Central and others. But now I'm hitting every level of football possible for our young men, and and that's important. So if you're a parent out there, you're a player out there, make sure you're targeting every level. Don't just go to Power 5 school camps. Don't just, like you said, I would never go to the same school twice in a um, summer. That that would be absolutely, utterly ridiculous and a waste of time and money. Um, So – you got to have a targeted plan. You want to target all these levels because, again, you can make it from any level. Citadel, prime example. I've played with guys who have made the pros. I had a chance. I played arena football uh, locally for the Charleston Swamp Foxes, and uh, we've had several guys make the pros from Citadel. South Carolina State, like I said, has had numerous pros, including uh, the number one paid linebacker in the NFL, Darius Leonard. Uh, So – you got Wofford, you got Furman, you got all these schools in state that aren't at the Power Five level. Coastal Carolina is, you know, a Group of Five school. That's another opportunity for you. So, you Limestones, your Andersons, all those, your Erskins, make sure you're hitting one of their camps as well. And that way, Benedict College, like I said, uh, just Benedict just had a great camp, um, a MEAC camp um, slash SEAC uh, camp for HBCUs. It was a HBCU mega camp, so that was a great opportunity again, get in front of thirty different lower level schools. And again, those schools have put out plenty of professional football players if that's your goal. If your goal again is just to get a college scholarship, well again, that would kinda let you know where you're at when you go to one of those camps. So again, targeted uh, plan is the best way to go. You got to target all levels. Don't get caught up in the Power Five industry and um, think that that's the only way to do it. 
that, that's often, again, a disastrous plan for most kids, that it's not going to benefit you one way, shape, or form. Again, if, if you're good enough to play for Power 5, they'll find you. Wrapping up the recruited conversation here on Southern Sports Central, I'm Rich Yelp. I'm joined by the coach, Coach Smitty, uh, the head football coach over King Street, uh, joining us here on a beautiful Saturday here in South Carolina, uh, finally. No rain, it looks like today in the, in the forecast. And we've had it. Seems like it's rained every day for the last two weeks, if not three. That with uh, being said, we'll take a break. We come back. So, so let's talk a little bit about college football and where the SEC now seems to be going in 2024. They bring in the likes of Texas and Oklahoma. The Gamecocks have gotten their new schedule. And boy, it's a brutal little schedule. I can tell you, uh, they pick up um, about everybody out of the West, it seems like. They pick up the a and They pick up the Alabamas. They pick up the Oklahomas and a few more uh, from that side of the, uh, uh, the map as well. Of course, we'll look at some of the other ones. We'll also talk about, when we come back, the ACC and the conversations that some of those schools that are looking to maybe exit stage left as well. If you want to join us, talk some high school football, some college football, whatever's on your mind, we'll open it up for you. We'd love to hear from you uh, for the next, uh, let's say, 45 minutes before we get off the air. Uh, 515-602-9675 is the number. Follow us on Facebook at Southern Sports Central and on Twitter at SO Sports Central. We'll be right back. You're listening to Southern Sports Central right here on a Sunday afternoon.
Welcome back, everybody. I'm Mitch Yalvin, alongside Coach Smitty, the head football coach over there, hanging out with us from King Street. He's one of our family members that we bring in from time to time. He'll be a little bit more of a, uh, a household voice that you'll hear on the show going forward, definitely during the summertime as uh, you know, we talk high school football, college football, college and high school sports around the corner here. Uh, and, again, you can follow us on Facebook at Southern Sports Central, on Twitter at SO Sports Central. You can hit me up on my Twitter at Rich Yaltman. It's all right there on the World Wide Web as well. Uh, again, you want to call in for the rest of the 30-minute show, you can do that by calling 515-602-9675. Again, it's 515-602-9675 is the number to call in to talk a little bit of sports with us here for the rest of the day as uh, it is a beautiful Saturday. I said Sunday going off the air, Coach. And, again, originally we were thinking Sundays. Uh, of course, uh, you know, I kind of let Sunday be a day of rest for me. Uh, I get up early. I go to church. And I said to myself, you know what, I need to be in there getting prepared for the week that's coming because it seems to get uh, quite busy as we get older. But that being said, busy is the word when it comes to college football right now. The SEC has released its 2024 schedule. And um, between the recruiting, between this, that, and the other, they had their meetings down there, I guess. I think they go to Destin, Florida normally. I think that's where it's usually at. Uh, they go down there. They have their conversations. They put everything together. And, and again, I, I couldn't imagine what it's like to be the SEC commissioner because it is probably – well, it's got to be the number one commissioning job in, in college football. Of course, why not? Because it's the number one league in college football. And I know ACC fans get their, get their feelings hurt when I say that. But, look, it is what it is. There aren't a lot of people beating the doors down to get into every other conference when you're seeing that here in the SEC. And, Coach, we're, we're seeing that with South Carolina. I mean, they just released their yeah. schedule, right? They've got LSU, Ole Miss, Missouri, and A&M. They've got Alabama, Kentucky, Oklahoma, and Vanderbilt. That is a gauntlet schedule, Period. Brutal. The other teams that I Brutal. would say would be like that, look at Georgia's schedule. Now, Georgia's schedule is even just as crazy. Alabama. They've got Auburn, Florida. They've got Mississippi State, which yeah, it's going to be a weird season, Mississippi State, with the Pirate not there. they got Tennessee, yep. Alabama, Kentucky, Ole Miss, and Texas. And, by the way, they added Ooh. Clemson in that mix, too. Clemson's in that game. So, you want to be the best, you play the best, you beat the best, and that's what Kirby Smart's doing. But I, I would honestly say those two teams are, are, are loaded with a very tough schedule. And, I mean, I was at, a, at work yesterday, and somebody looked at me and, and, and honestly said, man, I feel bad because before I thought South Carolina had a chance to, to win the SEC and, and at least be in the game. Now I don't think they do. And I'm thinking, well, then, I mean, we don't deserve to be in it. I mean, let's be honest. I, I, don't, I'm, I'm, I want to get past that level of every once in a while we make it into the SEC championship game. No, I want it to be every year. And some people sit at home and chuckle and laugh. But, you know, Georgia wasn't always in the SEC championship game. Florida's not always in the SEC championship game. Tennessee's not always in it, right? You have to do the right things to get the right outcomes. And I think Shane Beamer, going back to the transfer portal, has utilized that transfer portal as a business tool belt and has used that to bring in his quarterback and a handful of other great ball players to now have a foundation to recruit the kids that he's recruiting. And he's winning the recruiting battle. Now, I will give the Tigers a lot of credit in Clemson. What a great week they just had. I mean, that might have been the best week they've had since I don't remember when because they had a lot of kids committing. Can't help that. I get that. But South Carolina, I feel like this is a good thing, though, because there was a time that the you know the Steve Spurrier days when we played Alabama, and I'm a Gamecock. Nobody thought we were going to beat Alabama that night. But a lot of Gamecock fans had that feeling. And then Garcia 
did more than a feeling. He put it on them and, and won that game. And of course, we also ended up, you know, doing a lot of other great things that year. But it starts somewhere. But when you look at these schedules, Coach Smitty, and again, I, I don't know, and I'm trying to find out, or, or have they done, are they just going to take the number one and the number two out of the SEC as a whole? Because there's not an East and a West anymore. I think it's just kind of a throwing right. everybody in that conversation the of SEC the league, right? Right. The SEC championship game will be the top two teams left by record in the SEC. So, obviously, that's going to be a huge battle to see who gets the, those top twos because I'm assuming that means for the playoffs, those two would automatically be in the NCAA college football playoff, um, each, sure. whether they win or lose in the SEC championship game. Uh, and then, obviously, whoever came in third would still have a chance to get in that 12-team playoff as well and possibly a fourth team because now we're going to see, again, the SEC just means more, but we're going to see two lost SEC champions, which we haven't seen in the past. I mean, that that's just right. the reality of it. The schedules are brutal for everybody in the SEC. There's no down week. There's no... Uh, week where you can, you know, kind of get by or coast by anymore. Uh, everybody's playing Texas. Everybody's playing Oklahoma. So you're talking every year, year in and year out, at least seven of the top 25 teams from the SEC, which, you know, we had that before, but I think now it's even at a higher level as possible, which is right. going to be insane. It's going to be great for fans to watch. Because every week you're going to have a marquee matchup where you're like, man, this is awesome. This is some of the best football I, I've ever seen. So you got to tip your hat to the SEC commissioner, tip your hat to the SEC athletic directors and presidents who made this happen. Because it's going to be unreal this, you know, come you know, 2024 in the fall where, I mean, every week is, is just going to be an amazing week of football where, you, where you're tied and glued to your seat watching these games. And it, it's going to go the whole season, which is even more exciting. So I can see right. why they stuck to eight games and not nine. Nine, I think, would have been too much uh, for right now. Obviously, if they expand again, which I think we're going to talk about here soon, if they do expand again, I, I bet they will go to nine at that point. But right now, just these eight conference games are unbelievable games. I mean, you're talking so many, like you said, just incredible matchups that we're going to see week in and week out in the SEC. And it, it just, again, the SEC is light. I don't care what anybody says. I, I'm neutral. I'm from Massachusetts. SEC's light years ahead of everybody in the country. I mean, Big Ten's right, kind of right there with them, but. You talk about heck. We can talk about baseball if we want. I, I believe an SEC team's going to win the College World Series, whether it's LSU, Tennessee, or Florida. One of those three, I believe, wins right. the whole College Baseball World Series again for the SEC. So, right, uh, it, it's amazing. Yeah, that that is huge. Now, if you're a Vanderbilt fan right now, if you're a Vanderbilt, God bless you. Anchor down is probably the best advice I can give you. <laughs> I think that's their hashtag, yeah. right? Anchor down. <laughs> They need to anchor down. Anchor down, anchor down, anchor down boys, because it's about to get real bad up in here. The perfect storm. Right. You know, here's the thing. If and, and 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 man, do you remember that movie, The Perfect Storm? Where where and I guess they were dreaming this at the very end 
where they thought they were getting ready to get out, and you saw the light. <laughs> they yeah. saw the light getting out, and then everything got dark. Well, it just got dark again, Vandy, because it's real bad. Here's your schedule. If you're a Commodore, God bless your basketball season and anything else. And Tim Corbin, get it, get it back running over there for baseball because they need you. It's going to be a brutal fall. Alabama at home, South Carolina at home, Tennessee and Texas at home. I don't see it. They hit the road. They go to Auburn. They go to Kentucky. This is not the old Kentucky. Well, please, people stop saying Kentucky is what they used to be. Stoops has got those guys balling and believing, and that is a different type yeah. of Kentucky over there. Say what you will. In any other conference, they're doing even bigger things. But in this conference, they're winning. They're finding ways to win. And it's, it, it's sometimes a hard pill to swallow if they find a way to beat the Gamecocks. But they do. They, Auburn goes on the road. They go to Auburn. They go to Kentucky. They go to LSU and Missouri. Tell me where they find a dub in, this, in, that, in that eight game right there. They might find a, an LSU. And excuse me, they might find a Missouri win. That's about it. Yeah. And I don't think Missouri. Missouri is kind of a wild card. You don't know if they're not hot or cold. What's that? Uh, again, another brutal schedule. I mean, that home schedule, they might not have a home win in that schedule. God bless them. Um, God so, bless them. Anchor down. It's anchor so down, Vandy. Anchor down. Anchor, get ready for baseball. Anchor down. Woo. Get ready for basketball. Get ready for track and field. Get ready for equestrian. Something. Oh, my God. You know, you, and I saw that as I'm, I'm sitting here going through these schedules. I mean, everybody's got somebody on there. I do applaud – I'm glad to see A&M and Texas playing again. I think the football world, that's the one thing they got right in all this crap that we haven't got right. That's right the one thing. thing they got right. Yeah, they do. Which kind of gets me into this whole, you talk about, you know, expanding the SEC and will they expand? Well, let's look at the ACC. There are multiple teams within the ACC that are looking at leaving. Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina. When I saw North Carolina on that list, I thought to myself, if they don't find another commissioner or a commit or do something, then they're going to be problems because that is a blue blood part of the conversation. Now, I'm the guy, and I know everybody's uh, – Clemson fans like to look at me and say, well, y'all don't want us in. I want you in. I would love to see Clemson in the SEC. I'd love to see Florida State, Miami. I'd love to see Georgia Tech. Okay? If we got Oklahoma, we need Oklahoma State. If we got Kentucky, we need Louisville. And then, hey, let's get a little bit crazier. Let's bring in that Georgia Tech for Georgia. Let's go to North Carolina, and let's bring in North Carolina State, Duke, and University of North Carolina, all three schools. Give me all three right now. Let me have them. All right? Because why? Because basketball is Duke and North Carolina. Give me football Virginia, is Tennessee State and North Carolina. Give me Virginia, Virginia Tech. And then guess what you can do? You can shut it down. And then the SEC can take it away, and we'll start our own thing, and we'll have our own league. And if you look at the numbers, from 1999 until today. I think that's tons of national titles in college football, but maybe two. College basketball would be dynamic. College football, college baseball, college softball. Think about that. Oklahoma, I think, just won the College World Series, right? They're coming into the SEC. Yes. Clemson is an up-and-coming, strong powerhouse team, and they're building it every year. It's like watching them go from Tropical Storm to Category 5s, watching this in front of me. The girls' softball team at Clemson is incredible. Florida State. Girls softball is incredible, along with their baseball, along with their football, along with a few other good sports. I mean, it's Florida State. My God, it's Tallahassee. Miami, I don't know what the heck they got to do with Miami. Maybe they relocate. I don't know. But it's still Miami, right? You still got to have them around. Um, so it's just one of those things that I, I wonder how long can the SEC, how long can the ACC survive if Clemson and these teams leave? And I just, 
I don't want to see – what I don't want to see is what I saw West Virginia do going to the Big 12. I just didn't want to see it. It's just weird. It's kind of weird to me. And it makes sense for Oklahoma and Texas because that Texas A&M is already in the SEC, right? So you have that pocket of the, uh, the way the map is working out. Now, I do like the fact that they've gone universal because Missouri should be on that side of the bracket now anyways. So at least now there's not an east and a west. But I just wonder how much you're going to see. And like you mentioned earlier in hour one, this is a business. It is entertainment, which Eugene has, has said before. I'll give him his, his flowers today on that conversation. College football is an entertainment. It isn't WWE yet, but it is very much so an entertainment. And because of social media and because of TV, we've heard this a while back. I wonder if you're going to start seeing them take less seats out of the stadiums instead of putting more in the stadiums to make it a more of a comfortable seating arrangement because, you know, you go to Tennessee and you're literally sitting in somebody's lap, right, because they wanted to have the numbers. But now people go home and you can stay at home and you can grill out and you can watch just as much. Heck, you don't have to get up too far to go to the bathroom, so on and so forth. So now you make the stadiums more comfortable for those who want to go to the games every day. I, I'll be honest with you, man. You know, Eugene and I were talking about this. I mean, you know, they're always going to invite these recruits to come back for game day experiences. And one game day is enough for me. Um, even when I, you know, it, it, you get recruited by South Carolina back in the 90s, they used to walk you across the field. Now they kind of give you this whole moment, which I think they changed that from the last time I took some kids up to Columbia where you got off the bus and you walk in the line and, man, you almost feel like you're part of the team. Dude, it was pretty impressive. I enjoyed it very much. And it's hard not to – that's when you want to ask a kid right then and there to commit to you, by the way, which I think colleges have done a good job figuring out what makes these kids tick. But I would rather sit at home any day of the week, man. I mean – Going to Columbia or going to Clemson or going to anywhere and sitting, that's cool, but it gets hot or it gets – it's just not – I don't know, man. Maybe it's my age in me, brother, but getting up and having to go find something to go eat and you got to go to the bat, look, I can do all that right here. And then when game's over, guess what I can do? I can either go in there and go to bed or I can get in my car and go down the road and go do something else or I can turn to another game and keep it moving. Do you think you start to see college stadiums open up seatings more to make it more comfortable, to have some armrests? To get some people some room? For sure. We've seen that the last three, four years now where they're putting in light shows. They're making it more of a concert atmosphere than a football game day atmosphere, if that makes sense. So they got the light shows now. They got the fireworks shows. They got everything that you would go, like, for instance, if I'm going to Disney World um, at night that I would expect to see. Why? Because, again, you know, they noticed they were competing and they were, you know, kind of dropping off attendance-wise. They're competing with that person our age, staying at home, wanting to kick back, relax, watch four or five games at once, and um, having a comfortable atmosphere. So now they're downsizing a little bit. And like I said, adding all those extras in now, where you got the light show, you got the fireworks, you got a little bit of concert beer going. So they're they're trying to compete entertainment wise, and um, I, I think you see that further enhance here in the next five years. You've seen a bunch of teams recently announce God hundred mil three hundred million dollar renovations to stadiums. <laughs> How about that? You know, back in the day you. Uh, talk about building a stadium for about twenty million. Now all of a sudden they're doing just renovation for three hundred million. So that tells you where they're headed. They're, they're trying to make it as much of a home type 
environment slash entertainment environment as possible. They're adding more of the luxury box slash kitchenette where people can eat, they can hang out, they can drink, they can, you know, have a little pavilion. They can walk out on it if they want to see the game kind of outside and still feel the crowd. But, again, it's catering towards that. And that's the thing, too, is is that, you know, back in the day, you know, when you recruited, you you know, that was always, well, they've got better facilities now. Now everybody's got great facilities. Even, you know, Vanderbilt, we talked about their schedule and anchoring down, but they've got some facilities, man. Everybody's got, you know, that whole light show. Everybody's got those five-star locker rooms and the waterfalls and the sound effects, all the things that comes with it. Question is, there's only so much room to fit on that roster. And that kind of goes back to the recruiting thing that we talk about. But I'm just curious to see where college football is in five years. In five years from now, did we think college football was going to be where it is right now? I didn't. I had no idea that a college athlete would get an NIL deal and make more money <laughs> than, 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 than high school coaches are making out here. Then, then maybe possibly some of the, the, the other coaches, I don't know if they're making any more than – well, they might be, Coach Smitty. They might be making more than some of the college coaches out here. I mean, there's some guys out here making some change. But my question and my concerns, and you and I talked about this off the air, and that is what happens to these kids mentally when they don't get drafted because of an injury or something happens? The all the money they make. That's right. Hey, when that final song is played and you ain't got to go home but you can't stay here, is in the background. Who is going to be there to – mentally make sure these young men and women are okay because these guys are getting paid. I'm going to be honest with you. There ain't no such thing as shoebox money, sir. No, sir. It's real money, right now money, cash at me money, put it in my bank money. You know, you don't have to put it in a shoebox and, and put it on the doorstep money. You know what I'm saying? You don't look under your bed, and there it is. It's real. Right. And uh, that's my concern. It, it is a big concern because these kids now, I don't think they're built differently. Because I think a kid is a kid is a kid. And I've got, you know, four small – well, I've got a young adult with a baby. And uh, so my granddaughter, and I've got my son is 20. But then I have my, my 15 getting ready to be 16-year-old, my 12 getting ready to be 13-year-old. And let's be honest, that first group, they saw different things than the second group has seen. Well, same goes as athletes, right? They're facing different things. And, you know, when you hear commercials on the radio talk about if you're struggling with depression because of social media and bullying, I never thought I would hear such a thing. Like, if you're allowing somebody to talk crap about you through social media and you're believing it or it's bothering you, then cut it off. There, there's the answer. You can pay me $15,000, and I'll tell you what to do. Cut your phone off. Pretty simple. Move on. I mean, don't answer to nobody you're not. But, uh, but these kids, they are a little different. You know, Frank Martin, I, I do believe a lot of what he said when he said coaches, he told the people, you know, parents, parents you know, kids haven't changed. You know, the, the players, uh, you know, haven't changed. It's the parents. And I agree with some of that. I don't know if I buy into it as much as I used to. I used to be a big fan of it. But, uh, you know, you, 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 we do have to maintain and still raise these kids. And, you know, getting off the subject a little bit, um, you know, I remember growing up, and there was always people sitting on the front porch, always people on the front porch when you'd go by. Right through a neighborhood right now where they've got front porches. Tell me how many people you see sitting on the front porch. You don't see Big Bob sitting on the front porch no more because you don't see any kids outside anymore because they're inside playing video games. They're inside on their phones. Go out to eat one night and pick your head up off the table. 
Look around. Look at the couples at tables. They're both in their phones. There's no communication going on. Because I'm pretty damn sure they're not tweeting and texting each other. <laughs> My fears, who are they texting and tweeting, by the way? <laughs> who, are, who are they texting? And uh, that guy right. goes back there dating the prom queen. <laughs> Look, bro, she ain't texting you, and she's texting somebody, and you're buying her dinner. We might need to revisit what campus you want. <laughs> That's right. But it's facts. I mean, it's facts. And, I mean, we have become so reliant on these things that are handed in our phone, in our hands. I mean, I do want to go back to my third-grade teacher that told me I need to learn mathematics because I won't have a calculator forever. She lied. I have a smartphone. Yeah. <laughs> well, she didn't definitely have I do a have calculator forever. <laughs> Yeah, I don't really need to learn with whatever numbers for my little gold stars and, and my pizza on Fridays. You know, how you like them apples. But, uh, you know, you just kind of look at some of the things that you see now that you didn't see then, and it is a shame because I feel like while some things have changed for the better, some things have changed for the, for the not-so-good, man. And, again, we are that type of radio show that we're going to hit you where the moment's at, right? We're going to live in the moment here on the, on the radio. And uh, you see so many changes, and I don't think everything changing in college football is good. I don't know if I'm 100% buying in right now with uh, everything's happening for the better part of uh, taking away robberies. You know, that's what I said. I think bringing back A&M and bringing back Texas robbery, that's huge. I never want to not see Michigan in Ohio State. I'm not a Buckeye fan. I don't hide it. I don't even think Buckeye fans are Buckeye fans. I mean, even if you are a Buckeye fan, you don't want to live in Ohio, which, I mean, that's another conversation. But – I don't ever want to see Michigan not play Ohio State. I don't want to never see Notre Dame not play Southern Cal. I don't want to never see South Carolina not play Clemson. Now, there's robberies, Florida, Florida State, you know. The only thing I really miss is hearing Keith Jackson. He was one of the greatest play-by-play guys, commentators in the business. And one of the main reasons I even oh, got into doing it on Friday nights myself. Oh, Nelly, the Buckeyes. Yeah, I mean, he had it, man. He had that it vector. Who was your guy? Did you have a guy? I mean, was that your guy? I mean, that was the that Keith was one Jack- of the main reasons I even got into this business. Yeah, yeah. Keith Jackson was one of them. So uh, I remember those days vividly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even look at um, Eli Gold. Eli Gold's the voice of the uh, of Alabama, right? I mean, Eli Gold's the guy who you hear with the Crimson Tide. I mean, there's just certain voices that you hear. You know, when coach, I'm telling you, when college game day, when coach finally isn't on college game day no more, it's going to be a whole different vibe. I know he's only sporadically on college game day right now because of his health is just up and down. And and I applaud Herb Street for for what he's doing to try to, you know, I mean, he treats him almost, I mean, he treats him like us as dad, you know. Um, But you can see he's kind of getting at it. Uh, Dick Vitale, you know, he's another name. You know, there's certain names and guys, and, you know, it breaks my heart, you know. Scully, Vince Scully of the Dodgers. When he passed away, man, that was like a piece of, of, of why I do what I do here on this show. So I'm going to tell you this. Enjoy the moments you're in because these moments, athletes, listen to me full circle here. That's how this works. Enjoy the moment you're in. Go to every campus that you can, I understand, but go where you can grow. I cannot, impress, I cannot press it enough to you. It's cool to be standing on the sideline in a uniform with a Power 5 jersey on, but if you ain't playing, who gives a damn? Are you there to play football or are you there to watch football? Because if you're there to watch football, go sit in the stands beside some pretty girl. <laughs> if you're there to play football, go get on the right field where they can show you. And you can do like my guy, Mr. Anderson, who balled out at Stratford, who went to Newberry, and I'm sure was told by people he had never played at South Carolina, but those who knew him, like myself and others, his brother was one of the fastest dudes I've ever seen running football at Summer High School. And that dude is balling out 
in the weight room. I know it's going to go on the football field. He's one of the strongest dudes out there, man. He loves his community. He loves his family. He loves the youth. He is that guy. He will be on this show very, very soon because I'm about believers. But it doesn't mean you start somewhere you finish. I told somebody at a job one time, man, it don't matter where I start. It matters where I finish. And that's the bottom line. And, again, you know, it all comes full circles here. We, we want to educate you. We want to entertain you. We do a little sarcasm along the way, guys, for two hours or three hours, whatever we do. But we're not doing you any justice by telling you guys, hey, look, everybody deserves to play under those SEC lights, ACC lights, Pac-12, Big 12, whatever. And not everybody gets to be a group of five either, guys. I'm going to be honest with you. Church Committee, not everybody's a group of five guy either. You might be good where you at. No. But a group of five ain't that much further below the power five. I mean, I don't know if it's that no. big a jump from some of that, right? Because some of those guys could be in the, in the group of five, in the power five, right? That's right. I mean, they, they got the um, same dudes as what power five has. They just have less of them. That's right. And who's to say here in the next couple of weeks they're not going to be in the they're not, not going to be in the ACC anyways? Because like I told you. You know, there, there were times where, you know, and conferences come and go. Remember the Big East? Back in your day, there was a, there was a conference called the Big East. And that's yeah. where Miami and Virginia Tech were ballers, buddy. And they were killing that's it. Right. Pitt was there. Syracuse was there. Donovan McDad days, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Boston College. Boston Doug College Flutie. was there. With, Doug Flutie was killing it. And there was other guys. But that, those things yep. come and they go. But you have to put yourself in an opportunity where you can grow. You have to put yourself in an opportunity where people can see you for what you got going on. And I have one thing I'll say this before we get off the air in about, about five minutes. I'm cool with you going on trips. I'll support everything. But sometimes you got to see the writing on the wall. Coaches, listen. Do your kids a favor. I know you don't want to see them upset and tell them that they can't, can't play at that level. But break their hearts today so you don't have to pick up their hearts tomorrow. And I'm telling you, there's going to be a lot of kids with some broken hearts here in about another week or two. And Coach Smitty, you know as good as anybody, you and all you coaches around the great state of South Carolina. In another week, these coaches are done with the 2025 class, 24 class, excuse me. 24, yeah. And some of them are already done. And some of them are halfway through the 25 class. Don't put your kids in a situation where they don't have a chance to go to the show at the next level. It's all about an opportunity. And you look at it, you want it. Right. Now, Coach, when you start to look at everything and you put this show into, in, in, in perspective, of course, uh, again, we do, have the, uh, we do have the College World Series going on right now. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about that before we get out of here. Um, you know, last night, Virginia gave it everything they got, but the Gators gave it a little bit more, ends up winning 6-5. And, by the way, I watched this guy crush the ball over the left field fence. I mean, it was super impressive. I mean, but that's why you don't give up. But Or Roberts, right. where do these guys come from? Or Roberts is the Cinderella team, but they're like, look, Home we have Oklahoma. over here. Yeah. I mean, they're good. They're a good squad. Have they're a really good squad, and they're, they're putting it together. As well. Yeah. So they'll see each other, right? So there's two teams that see yeah, each they're, other. They're and what is it? They'll see each other tomorrow. And on the other side, what is it? The other side, you've got uh, – well, not the other side, Wake but on this side, you've got uh, – that, that's going to be good. Stanford. Texas State. And then uh, Tennessee playing – LSU. 
Tennessee playing LSU. And that's going to be a big one. That's a rematch, of course, because they played each other during the year. And then the, in the loser's bracket is um, you, you, when you look at a team, and that's, that's tough for Virginia. Virginia's been one of the hottest teams. Wake Forest out of the ACC, two ACC teams that are really, really good. But, uh, you, got Virginia, you know, the ACC's got two teams in it. The SEC's got three. When you look at it, though, Coach, and you kind of put things in perspective with this whole thing, though, I think you look at and, – and I would like to see at least somebody from the ACC and the SEC in this, in, in this thing, right? I mean, we're, 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 we're located right. in the southeast, and we're going to support our, our two conferences that are in it. Um, I would love to see either Virginia or Wake Forest or Tennessee or Florida or LSU. Now, there's only eight teams, so there's only three other teams that will or won't find their way in it. Um, so we'll see. Stanford, of course uh, – you know, my heart goes out to that kid from Texas, by the way, that lost the ball in the in the lights, which that happened in the Clemson game, by the way, uh, a week before, uh, or that week, you know, the week before. Uh, had he caught that ball, Texas is in the in, in the World Series, but he lost. Correct, and that's that's awful, man. This kid is a stud. This kid is a, a his, his kid is good, uh, but um, I guess time will tell how that kind of works itself out for Texas. And again, they're they're going to be coming to the SEC, so they'll be hanging out here. Uh, it's some it's some more good baseball. I mean, the big. Big 12's got good baseball, too, man. It's down there in that southern part of the state and the country as well. Uh, and, and it was very neat and I, very weird to see, though, Coach, to see all of the regionals in college were in the south, minus Stanford. Stanford right. had the only regional they hosted. Of course, Arkansas went out there, and Arkansas, man, they flopped. I mean, the SEC and the ACC, I thought, flopped in regional play. I mean, they both had record numbers in the, in, in the, in the tournament. Now, of course, South Carolina – um, let's tip our cap real quick to the Gamecocks and the Tigers and Coastal. Uh, start with Coastal, hosted a regional, ran into a bus all against Duke. Uh, things happened. They were over there balling on the beach, just didn't have enough to finish it. Um, good job there, though, getting in and, and hosting. I thought that's always a plus. That's a step up uh, for the Tigers. I mean, new coach comes back after being a, a grad assistant coach, I believe. Uh, he was at Michigan, comes back. Started off kind of struggling a bit, but they weren't his guys. Figured out what his guys do, what they're about. Saw some really great local talent from our area go up there and, and ball out. And, um, yeah, they just – they weren't able to get through. Tennessee, I mean, Tennessee's kind of got their – kind of got their number right now in sports. It's one of those new it's – it's a new rivalry, I guess, uh, that orange crush between the two of them. But um, they hosted, right? And they haven't been in the tournament in a while, neither. So they hosted. In South Carolina, everybody thought they were done. Started off one of the hottest teams. Like Clemson finished one of the hottest teams. They finished uh, kind of sluggish, kind of sluggish but then found a way to host, host. They won their, they won their region, head down to Florida, and the bats got cold. I mean, ice cold. That rain came in, started them about an hour and a half late, and they never got hot again. Uh, Colt Messina, local guy from right here uh, where the studio is at, he's another Somerville guy. Um, I think probably one of, the, one of the hottest kids in college baseball with one of the great attitudes uh, to go with it. Um, did a great job. Uh, he's an All-American, got a lot of votes for a lot of things, got a lot of hardware in the postseason. Um, but the one he wanted was a team trophy, and uh, his attitude uh, it shows that he is, without a doubt, coming back, looking forward to having another good year. Know that kid personally as well and his family, and I can't even talk – this kid is a five-star dude off the field, so not surprised what I see on the field. So that being said, Coach, um, we'll see what college looks like. We're going to go back to you live next Saturday again. We'll stay on the, or the Saturday morning routine from 11 to 1. Uh, for a while until we get a little closer to the football season. Then we'll reevaluate the situation. I want to get some kids in here. I am working 
and partnering up with the guys from Fourth and Inches. They are a great group of guys. They need some coverage down here in the Low Country, so I told them I would jump on their team as well. So they're jumping on ours. We're jumping on theirs. We've got some sponsors coming on board. Stay tuned to that. I got a real big sponsor coming on, and this is going to be a very impressive addition to the show. Uh, but we're going to be doing some things with them, as well as we're going to be doing Third Thursdays over at Somerville. Third Thursdays, they go to the they go to the park, shut it down. We'll hang out. We'll put out some stuff with a banner and uh, do a show or two, or at least do some advertisement and some conversations, guys. Uh, Coach Smitty, man, appreciate you, buddy. Always a pleasure talking to you. I'm going to catch up with you off the air. But uh, good two hours of good radio, man. We're getting back into it. It's been a while, but I think the more we do, the more we'll get. Next week, I know we'll have Kevin Billadu back. Reginald Walker Jr. will be with us. Me, you'll be with us. Maybe Eugenia join us. And I do think maybe T.J. Hopkins, Shaq Davis joins us as well, and a few others may hop in here with us in the room as well, buddy. Appreciate you, Coach. Uh, always a pleasure having you with me, buddy. We appreciate everything Southern Sports Central does for local sports in general, state sports in general. It's, it's, it's a blessing for sure for these young men and women across the state to get that kind of coverage. Well, without you guys, man, we wouldn't have an opportunity. We do want to thank the South Carolina Coaches Association for uh, welcoming their arms around us. Uh, of course, the South Carolina High School League, maybe Coach, uh, we get uh, Mr., uh, the Commissioner Jerome in here one more time, talk to him about that, and we will open the doors, the mics, and the room for college coaches as well. So we're going to have those guys come on here uh, as the summertime kind of gets through. Um, we'll have them, and then, of course, high school coaches and players will be jumping in with us uh, during the summer. So enjoy the day. Enjoy the weekend. Uh, happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. For some of you new dads, Welcome to the club. For some of you guys that are waiting for those babies to come out here into the world, we say uh, welcome and early welcome uh, to the uh, to the fraternity, guys. It is a big job, guys. Anybody, you know, again, be a dad. Don't just be a father. Be a dad. Anybody can be a father, but be a dad. Get out there. Be in that child's life. Pick them up. Pick them out. Uh, you know, make a memory. Make a moment. You know, buying them things are great. Anybody can buy them something. But the moments and the memories you make with those guys and girls, those are the moments that you're going to make, guys. And as a father, I'm going to tell you, and a grandfather, I'm going to tell you guys, that comes with a lot of responsibility. And there's some guys out here that will never be or have never been and might never see the opportunity to be a dad. It is a very much a huge honor to be in this fraternity. So make sure you're doing your part, and I'll do mine. And until next time, guys, God bless. Take care. We'll see you next Saturday right here on Southern Sports Central. Follow us on Twitter at SOS as well as on Facebook. That's Southern Sports Central as well, guys. Take care. God bless. Happy Father's Day.